the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. All right, there you go. The Raptors are now tied two games apiece, and now we're down to a best of three Eastern Conference Finals. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene, .tv network, and part of the Overtime Media crew. The Bucks and their fans are worried about Drake more than they are the Raptors. And we're going to break down everything game four. Joining me tonight is Damar Grant. Damar, there's some cross-pollination between your love and passion of hip-hop and this whole Drake drama. First of all, how are you doing? And second of all, what do you make of everyone freaking out about Drake's actions in game four? It's a great day. It's a great day to be a Raptors fan. It's a great day to just be a Toronto, a Toronto fan in general, you know. Everybody's talking about our artists. Everybody's talking about our team. It feels great. Um, the Bucks. one of my favorite things about this series is actually the Bucks And, like, I think it was, like, a Milwaukee radio station saying, like, they're no longer playing Drake songs. Yeah. It's like, Drake, out. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> Right. I love I actually love that because it's, you know, Toronto doesn't really have any basketball rivalries, really. Right. So just like this is a little nice little spark for, you know, some animosity that Toronto doesn't really get or the Raptors don't really get. I mean, the Leafs get it with Boston. Right. But the Raptors, not so much. Well, the, the, the reason why I find this funny is that when they first started talking about, you know, we're not going to play Drake on our radio stations. I think I tweeted out, I said something to the effect of, well, I guess Toronto radio stations aren't going to play any Milwaukee artists. So, you know, pretty much like any other day. Like, who, what are you who, trying to prove? Exactly. Who is from Milwaukee that makes music? I no feel, one. Bad. I no feel one. bad not knowing that. No one. I actually did a Google search when I tweeted that out because I didn't want to, you know, misinform people. <laughs> and there was just no one that I recognized, not one. Damn. And that's not me being like an older dude. It's me just, no, there's just no one. All black and white pictures. Hey, man, supposedly Gucci Mane is from, uh, is from Milwaukee. Or is at least his jersey is from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's just wearing the, the Giannis Atatakumpo uh, jersey okay. in Toronto, which was interesting. I guess he's on tour, so that makes yeah. sense. I mean, maybe that was just a troll job. But, like, I think that, you know, the Bucks and their fans and even the coach, Bud, sort of weighed in on this, too. He said something like, you know, that's unacceptable. Um, I don't know what type of relationship he has with the Raptors, which is kind of weird because I, I felt like that was a well-known thing. But he's like, that's the unacceptable behavior to walk on the sidelines like that. But I'm just saying, like, <sighs> whatever. Yeah, exactly. What what the fuck ever, dude? Like, this is first of all, he is. I want to say he's legitimately employed by the Raptors to be the yeah, he is. yeah, right. So there you go. So he is part of the personnel, quote unquote. Um, and it's not like he's walking on the court. Like if you if you look at other celebrities that have some sort of status with the other teams, Spike Lee has done some similar shit before. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary uh, with the Reggie Miller versus the Knicks kind of thing, but he was like yeah, chirping. In, yeah, he was chirping in his ear and everything. No one really bats an eye about that. Why is Drake the exception here? Well, first of all, the, the bright lights, bro. I mean, I guess the, there were bright lights back then too, but. 
you know, when the games are close and people are like, you know, ah, quiet, you know, such a, you know, I don't even know what you would say about Kawhi. Such a douchebag. How does he always make these mid rangers? Why does he never talk trash? What is Drake doing on the sidelines? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just like the the emotions get riled up, right? And it's just like you just want to you just want to throw fire at everybody. I was like, I hate Nick Nurse. I hate Fred Fred Van Vliet's stupid beard. I hate. <laughs> Drake and his, you know, constant talking to the players. I hate Kyle Lowry's fouls. I hate Kawhi Leonard constantly making mid-ranges. I hate everything, Jeez. right? And I feel like Drake just got, you know, swept up into the hate. And this also shows that, like, Milwaukee fans don't watch Raptors games. <laughs> because Drake has been doing this for years, bro. He's just been on the... That's his spot, too. He just chills there. He's, like, clapping. He's a clapper. He's a leaner, too. He likes to lean and clap, you know, high-five people. I'm like... For people to be bringing this up now, it's like, yo, you guys don't watch Raptors games at all. <laughs> um, you just don't. Little uh, full disclosure here: Gucci Mane is from Birmingham, Alabama, so not even close exactly. to Milwaukee. So, like, that is that is pretty random. Um, secondly, uh, yeah, I, I I saw on Twitter that Bucks fans were bitching about not only Drake but the um, I, I guess and this is odd, you know, as an American hearing this or reading this rather. Um, they were weirded out or upset over the the volume and the passion of the the fans at the Raptors game singing Oh Canada. And I'm just saying, why would that ever upset anyone, number one? And number two, like if if the Raptors make it to the finals, you fuckers aren't ready for what's gonna happen. <laughs> you are not ready for what you think you hate them now for something so innocuous. Just wait until if they if and when they make the finals. If they make the finals, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what anybody's gonna do. It's gonna first of all, it's uncharted territory. Yeah. The first bucket that gets made, oh my goodness. The doors, the doors are gonna fly open, the roof is gonna fly off the roof of the the, the freaking building. It's gonna be amazing. And I'm and I I can't wait for it. It is home court advantage too, if they make it. I mean, so they the won't Raptors, the Raptors have one of the best crowds in the NBA. Like hands down, seriously. Like yeah. it's in like that realm of like uh, Golden State and like the Thunder type of, and even like Portland, right? Like these are serious, serious like crowds and like the Raptors. I mean, they have very devoted fans. They love the team, right? So that's what happens when you love the team. Like people love the Raptors when they sucked. Yeah, even when they sucked. Especially and they when sucked they suck. for a long time, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> so when the team is good, you're damn you're damn right people are going to be celebrating, bro. I mean, it's just it's such a weird thing to even get upset about, right? You should I mean, us as Raptors fans, at least myself, and I, I obviously don't want to call myself the constant here, but I do give Milwaukee fans a lot of credit because they are loud. Yeah. Like really loud and really intimidating. So when you watch a, a conference finals, I don't want to see the opponent's crowd like quiet as a mouse. I want to see some intensity, and they certainly bring that. And if I'm Milwaukee, I kind of want to see that back at the same time. I don't understand why anybody would not want that within a uh, a road game. It's okay, man. We'll be over yeah. here loud as hell. It's going to be great <laughs> over here. We'll stay on this side of the border. It'll be loud, and you know, you can stay on that side of the border. It'll be quiet. That's fine. It's like one thing I don't really understand is like, should I not be as excited as you about my team? Right. Like you're excited for your team. Can I, am I not supposed to be excited about mine? Right. 
Right. Right. And not just is that, a, your country too. Right. Am I, is it a problem? Like, should I be less excited? It was like, I don't get it. It just right. doesn't make any sense to me, honestly. I think it's the, the salt in the wound and, you know, of losing and they're trying to like pick at stuff just to get pissed off about. Yeah. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Stupid. Stupid. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's recap it. Um, like I said, they knotted it up at two. They won two games in a row on their home court. They defended it well. Um, Nick Nurse made some defensive adjustments. He didn't make any real adjustments to the starting lineup, contrary to belief prior to game uh, three. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. I think the defense is really the highlight of both of these games. But, you know, obviously you can sprinkle in some Norman Powell there, some Fred Van Vliet revitalization uh, in game four. There's a lot of things to be happy about. So in a general sense, what did you notice in game four that has you encouraged for the remainder of the series, if anything at all? The biggest thing is um, Kawhi, or sorry, Giannis doesn't have like a game plan of getting around Kawhi. Like when I watch, when you watch Giannis and when he's playing well, he looks like literally unstoppable. Like how do I, how do I guard it? Right. But when you have like good defenders on him and then you have, you have, first of all, like an all world defender on him. And then like Marcus used to be like, he's a former defensive player of the year. Right. Danny Green, probably the best shot blocking shooting guard of all time, or maybe Dwayne Wade is right. Kyle Lowry is like, you know, I don't I think he has an all defensive nod probably in his history. Like these are good defenders, bro. Smart team, too. So it's like if you don't have a lot of moves in your bag, they can just kind of like neutralize you. So you saw that with like Ben Simmons or like Ben Simmons. Again, he's another player like he looks unstoppable until like you can really key on him is like, well, he can't shoot. So I'm just like not going to guard you until you're at the free throw line. So you'd see people just like guarding him legit. Their feet would be on the free throw line uh, guarding him. So it's like with Giannis, it's like Kawhi is just, I don't even know how to describe it. Like using an animal. He's just like, I think Bill Simmons uses shark to puss. Right. <laughs> when, describing, when, describing, when describing Kawhi Leonard as a defender. Right. So it's just like, you have that and then you have people swarming him like anytime he drives to the basket now it's like maybe he gets by you but then he runs right into Mark Gasol and then somebody is helping off of helping off of one of like the shooters to strip him so like you'll see on a drive on a single drive you'll see three defenders or maybe he'll only see two and then one of them is like bothering him from behind or like stripping the ball or like getting him or bumping him or something like that. So it's like yeah. this defensive, like overwhelming defensive intensity is like the most amazing, th like probably the best thing I've seen from the Raptors this year. Yeah. I think that game four was um, one of, if not the most complete team win uh, thus far, this playoff series. I mean, there are a lot of other games that will uh, hold a candle up to that, but it's, no, it's encouraging to see. And when you have this, you know, the one thing I'd noticed for them in their plan to stop Giannis and their, you know, scheming is that they, it's almost like a zone defense. They line up sort of at the free throw line and they prevent him from doing those physical drives to the rim. 
Um, right. And even when they do, they have Gasol and or Siakam sort of back it up underneath to try to collapse down there to make it even more difficult for him. Or you know what he, it reminds you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like in the NFL, like you have three defensive linemen and he's like a running back. Yeah, yeah, no, right. They, they collapse it. Yeah. Right, so they just line up like three dudes at the top of the key. This is like in transition, right? So it's like three dudes at the top of the the top of the key, basically just like line up in a defensive stance, <laughs> yeah, like an NFL lineman, right, and try to prevent him from getting past them. And he can't stop it. It is almost like a three-two defense. I mean, a three-two zone defense. Um, and what's great about it is that now I think this matchup in particular, having uh, Gasol and Ibaka on the floor at the same time, does help, and it does you know sort of match the length that Milwaukee has. The Raptors have been going big a lot this series, and I think that they have no choice because Milwaukee's so long and so deep that by matching that that depth. You know, as best that they can, not with bodies, but with size. I think that's the the only way they can combat this. Right. Isn't it weird how, like, in the regular season, that double big lineup was getting crushed? Yeah. Like, but the teams that they played in this, like, playoff run have been massive teams. Like, think, they were playing against the Magic, right? And then they played the Sixers with Ben Simmons and Bede, uh, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, right? And then now they're playing the Bucks, where it's like Giannis. Then it's like Miritich, who's also like tall and big. And then you have like Chris Middleton, who's also super lengthy. Like they've had this weird um, big draw of teams to play against. So it actually makes sense to play these double big lineups. And it's like, it's succeeding, right? Because it's like Ibaka, like, Marcus and Ibaka actually complement each other in their like offensive skill set, and even defensively, they have a way of complementing each other. Like Marcus is a ground-bound, heady defender, right? He's great at positioning, and then like Ibaka is like, I'm going to use my athleticism to block shots or like to recover in specific places or even stay with some people on the perimeter. So I don't know. It's been great. It's been great to see Nurse. Nurse has been like, you know, I got to, you know, I got to be honest, like this is a good coaching job by Nurse. <laughs> Absolutely. No, he's been adjusting very well. And that was something that I was worried that he wasn't going to be able to do. Because if you notice in the Orlando series, um, there wasn't much that he had to do in terms of adjustments. Right. Like, I think after the game one freak out, people were settled in and thought, like, there's no way the Raptors are going to lose this series. I think it was just the longevity of the series that people were worried about. Um, But with Philly, it took him a little bit to uh, really stick with the Gasol Embiid second per second matchup. Like any time Embiid's on the floor, Gasol must be on the floor at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did recover from that well and make that adjustment, albeit probably not specifically and as you know aggressively until game seven as we would like but i think that with this series i think he knows that it's all hands on deck and the margin of error is so slim and right now that they have a chance to do something that they've never done before and get to the to the nba finals and i think that for that the stakes are so high and I'm not saying his job is on the line. Certainly not. Like, I don't believe for a second. There's really nothing he can do to get fired at this point. But, (laughs) you know, there's just not. But 
you know, you're you in the back of your mind, you still got to maintain that we, we want to make sure Kawhi's comfortable. We want to make sure that he's comfortable with the coaching staff and the decisions. That does play a small factor, not the deciding factor. So I think in that way, you want to put your best men out there. You want to put your best schemes out there, and you want to do as best of a job to limit um, – Momentum swinging to the other side, minute, uh, limit runs by Milwaukee as best as possible, and I think he's been doing a great job doing that. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm actually kind of like happy for like the Rats. Is like, yo, oh, good coach. Yeah, yeah, good coach, guys, good coach. I mean, the the Gasol thing where he was like a, he was a little bit. To be honest, he was a little bit slow in the uptake of like you have to match the Gasol minutes, but everything outside of that when like they made the double big adjustment during the Sixers series or they're even doing double big now or you know they have Siakam on Middleton and allowing Kawhi to guard uh to guard uh, Giannis like it's been great man yeah yeah um speaking of Kawhi uh i'm i'm sure you've noticed what everyone else has noticed as well that he just doesn't look right um, there's rumors out there that it is a pretty bad injury to his, I want to say his right knee or his thigh or whatever. It's very, um, noticeable, especially on the offensive end. There were some possessions last night that he had a clear fast break, but he sort of dribbled out to reset the, uh, the, the, the play. And it was, I don't know if normally you would see Kawhi sort of take his chances and be physical by driving to the rim. Uh, a lot of times he didn't do that, and he'd rather have someone else set it up. However, on the defensive end, I saw no slowing down. I saw no hesitation. So it seemed to me that despite the injury, I think the team knew that the priority was making sure he was right on defense, and the rest of the team had to pick up the load on offense. We'll get to the bright spots of um, Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry in a bit. I just want to know, do you think that this is going to be something that's going to be an issue for the remainder of the series? <clears throat> well, it's been an issue to the extent where, like, sometimes I see him on the offensive end and he doesn't, like, look as fast or, like, he's grabbing at... Is it a knee or a quad? Like, has anybody actually defined what this ish, this injury is? Like, no. that's a genuine question. No, no one's saying it. Nick Nurse literally said... I think he's fine, and Kawhi is saying, uh, "I'm good. I have to play through this. I we're trying to make history here." Right, but he looks like he looks good defensively, right? Looks great. He yeah. doesn't look like he's lost a step or anything like that. Because if he has, then Giannis would just be blowing blowing past him. And then on the offensive end, he was never he's never gonna like you know jump and give you like a three sixty you know through the legs type of dunk, right? He was always like. Above the rim slightly, but he's kind of a below the rim player. <clears throat> so when I see him play, it's like I don't feel like I'm missing much. I don't, it's weird. I don't feel like I'm missing much because even when I see him, like when he's shooting, the the ball was already flat when he shot the ball. So like, there's no specific indicators that I can really look at that would say, oh man, he's like really getting affected by squad injury because he's even a slow offensive player like he's a patient offensive player he's not trying to you know blitz past you to, to the rim so yeah. i don't know i don't think it's gonna be a huge issue we'll see i mean when you have an injury and you're playing on the injury the injury can only get worse like it's not gonna get better right, right. so that can be a problem but other than that it, it doesn't seem like it's affecting him that much but that that might just be me saying or might i might just be naive i'm not a medical expert unfortunately but yeah, 
Yeah, it, it just seems that I, I understand what you mean that he's very methodical with his, uh, especially in isolation. But for me, there the the ball handling skills in particular, and his drive to the rim were a lot more precise and rigid before this and he didn't seem to have a good handle on the ball yesterday he was timid I would like to say to get to the rim um you know this is a guy that has reliably put up 30 plus in the playoffs and yesterday he put up 19 shooting 6 or 13 from the field um obviously 46 percent from the field isn't bad by any means but for Kawhi Leonard 19 points you see that and you're thinking something is up so I'm not saying that it's by any means something to worry about, but it is something that is in the back of my mind that you're right. The recovery time, especially games every other day, it's not that long. And especially if they do make it to the finals, Golden State is ready and rested for them right away. So it, you're right. This is not going to get any better. He has no time to rest. That is more what I'm concerned with moving forward. Well, at least KD... <laughs> <laughs> like, if, it's like if, I'm, if I'm being very frank with you, it's like in the finals, it's like KD's looks like he won't even, he'll be out until like game three, game two, or game three. So, if the Raptors get past the Bucks, you know, KD will also be out. I don't even think that we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're ahead of ourselves. Well, hold on. Speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, we can digress a little bit. Did you see the report today that the Clippers are aggressively pursuing KD? Yeah. Do you know? What I mean, they, I mean, to me, that means they think they don't have a shot at Kawhi. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's true, man. That's, I don't um, know, man. Why? What makes you think that? They uh, they're not going to aggressively pursue both, right? If you want to, can they afford both? Yeah. Are you sure? They can, yes, they can. They have. A, they can make. They can make enough space for two people. Two max. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Then I take it back. I just feel that, like, if you're aggressively pursuing Kevin Durant, who has, you know, historical beef with Kawhi Leonard, uh, I don't, I don't know that Kawhi is still on your radar at that point. We'll see, man. It's, it's only, it's just all rumors and speculation at this point. To be, to be honest, except for Katie, because like, since we're digressing at this point, it's like Katie is like, there is, I've never seen a upcoming free agent that just like has completely discounted staying with the team that they're with <laughs> before like it's just... in the championship too. <laughs> yeah, it was like not a single I don't even think there's been a single report where it's like, oh maybe he's thinking about staying. No. <laughs> it's like he's leaving. Literally every single person is like he's leaving and we're just trying to figure out which place specifically to. And everybody's like, is the Knicks? And then it's like, oh maybe the Clippers, but it's like he's going to the next guys. It's like it's just like LeBron and the and the Lakers. You remember yeah. remember that? That's a, that's the exact same feeling I get with this. Is like everybody's saying the Knicks, so I'm just gonna be like, I guess he's going to the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's it's hilarious. Like I just, <laughs> it's just so weird. I mean, like, dude is like he's about to win like what his third championship in a, yes. in a row with the Warriors, yeah. and like nobody is even. It's not even like a a whisper on somebody's lips or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, he's just leaving. He's just he's gonna, not. he's gonna fucking take his ring and just go. Like that I'm is the ultimate chew and screw. Right goodbye. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you get invited to someone's house for dinner. He's like, hey, do you want to watch this game? No, I'm out. No, <laughs> yeah. I finished my I'm, bread. I'm out. 
too. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Like, instead of the ring, you're like, I'll take this bottle of wine while I'm at it, too. So, yeah. like, just out. Just fucking KD. All right. Um, let's, let's get back to the Raptors. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Um, Norman Powell has been outstanding this series. And, I, again, I don't know what it is about the Milwaukee Bucks that makes him so good. Um, if you remember in the 2017 playoff series, he shot 91% from three. That is ridiculous. I don't know that even Curry is shooting 91% in any playoff series. But Norman Powell seems to have the Milwaukee Bucks numbers. He's shooting extremely confidently. His drives are very much more precise. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that Right now, there's a lot of chatter of having him moving into the starting lineup in favor of Danny Green. I do not want that at all. I think it's better to leave things alone with him because you don't want to mess with it. So do you think this type of performance from him specifically is sustainable? And do you agree with that notion that he probably should not be inserted into the starting lineup? The starting lineup thing, I I thought that too at the beginning. I think it was in game two or game three. I'm like, maybe, you know, Danny Green has like hasn't hit a shot in like 15 years so maybe we could try a different <laughs> shooting guard but then um i understand his value off of the bench mostly because like danny green fits like just his play style and like what he does fits more with the starting lineup than norm it's like i don't need three creators or even four creators depending on how you're counting lowry and siakam on i don't need four creators trying to like create their own shot in the starting lineup i need somebody to like be a release valve right so keeping him on the bench totally makes sense to me why he is so good against the bucks i mean there's a there's a few things i mean there are definitely players who get better in the playoffs like Kawhi leonard is like a player like the play we're playing the playoffs like Kawhi leonard and like lebron it's like we're in the playoffs i was in gear five i'm shifting into gear six yeah right Norm seems to be like, I don't know, for some reason, he's like, I was in gear three, because like, he's not as good as like Kawhi and LeBron. So he's like, I was in gear three, so I'm about to put in four. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, his, you know, he's able to create off the dribble for himself. Right. Um, He's playing against backups, and I think he's slightly better than a backup player. He's kind of like, a, he's almost like a six man type of player at this point. And he also has a personal, for sure. And he also has a personal vendetta. The Bucks traded him. Drafted him too, yeah. Right? They traded him to the Raptors and personal vendettas are a real thing in real life. It's like if you hate if you're competing against somebody and you hate that person that you're competing against, you're like I'm trying to put that extra oomph to either humiliate them or make sure that like to make sure you know that I hate you and I'm trying <laughs> to defeat you. Right? So there's also that element. So there's a lot of things just like stacked on top of each other. And then just like Norman Powell just has a better plan in the playoffs for whatever reason, dude. It's just like <laughs> yeah. playoff Powell. It's just like uh, playoff Rondo. Yep. Right? There's just players that play better in the playoffs. And then there are players that play worse in the playoffs. Like, I don't want to say, but like Steph Curry is like, even though he's amazing, in the regular season, and he's still, like, actually amazing in the playoffs, but he's, like, from his 100%, which is the regular season, he's, like, a 95% in the playoffs, right? So there's a, you know, or even Kyle Lowry. Like, Kyle Lowry's so much better in the regular season compared to the playoffs, right? There's just, like, certain players have, um, they have skills that are 
get de-emphasized when the game slows down or when the game gets more physical or you're playing against taller legit like if you're just playing against taller opponents it gets harder to shoot the ball especially if you're a shorter player right so i don't know it's just norman powell whatever it is it's like effable it's ineffable at this point of what is what is making him better but he does get better in the playoffs it makes you wonder if norman powell's legit like you guys traded me for fucking Gravis Vasquez. Are you kidding me right now? You know, obviously it's not the you know Vasquez aspect of it, but being traded away, I do think matters. Um, it obviously, you know, it, it was just his rights. It was his draft rights, but still, like it's it's it, there's a sense that you didn't want me. You didn't want me on your team. So let me just throw you the middle finger. Um, I think when it comes to just the way he plays, right? He plays very physically. It's very like straight shot to the rim it's very aggressive um he doesn't do a stop and pop that's more of a uh i've always acknowledged him and i think i said it to you that he's sort of like a demar Derozan diet demar Derozan. Mm -hmm. um you know like he just doesn't have that mid-range game it's either a, a three or it's a drive to the rim right um and i think that he would be better if he d does develop some sort of mid-range but in for the sense of this series right here with the length of Milwaukee, being able to attack that and sort of use your versatility to escape that, I think that is what makes him so valuable in particular here. So, um, he's also, you know, we talked. Sorry. Good. He's also just like unafraid. Yeah. He's confident. <laughs> he's just like, I'm going to shoot the ball. <laughs> Give him the ball, I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. Right? When you have like people like there's players like Larry is like, are we open? Or is like, how many shots does this person have? How many shots does this person have? And it's like, can I get a better shot if I pass it to this person who passes it to that person who passes it to that person, right? It's like, you give the ball to Norman, it's like, I'm going to shoot it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shoot it from three. I'm open from three. I'm going to shoot it, which he's also like 39% three-point shooter, and I feel like that's been an overlooked aspect of his game this year. And it's like, if I have an open lane to the rim, I'm going to go, Yep. right? So it's just like the, dis just like, um, the decisiveness, like he's really good at that. Right, which is kind of for some reason it's kind of penalized in the regular season because like he kind of gets headstrong, right? And he's just like, I'm gonna do this specific thing and I'm only doing this. Where in in the regular season, it's like, you know, people play more loosely and there's like more options and stuff like that. In the playoffs, it's like I need like in the playoffs, like there's so many things where people are tentative about, especially when you get later on in the series. I need a player who's just like, I'm gonna shoot the ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to shoot the ball, and it's going to go in. That's what he feels, right? So there's value in that. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, when he's averaging 14, almost 14 and a half points in this series, right? And yesterday he put up 18 points. He shot 13 threes. 13, he only made four, but still 13 three-point attempts. <laughs> but even, That's pretty yeah. fucking ridiculous. But, yeah, just like the confidence. I was like, I'm going to shoot the ball. Give me the ball. I don't care. That I'm the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, fifteenth man on the on the roster. If I'm open, I'm gonna shoot the ball, and I'm gonna live with the consequences. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, and you know, bringing it back to Danny Green and the comparison there. This is a guy that's in your starting lineup, right? And he's a perennial D, uh, three and D player. That I don't know about you, but I thought he was gonna have a monstrous playoffs for this Toronto Raptors team, but. In this series alone, he's only averaging about five and a half points a game at about 30 minutes a game as well. And this is someone that, 
you know, I expected a little bit more. I don't really have a problem on the defensive end. In fact, I think he's been playing very well defensively, and I think that is why he's racking up these minutes because, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about how Nick Nurse is this offensive-minded coach, but if anything, throughout these games, he's proven that he does have defensive capabilities and defensive adjustments that are valuable. Um, so recognizing that Danny Green, even though the offense isn't there, it's mitigated by his defensive presence and how he does um, act as that little gnat uh, defensively to try to swipe away the ball. Or as you said, he does block shots very well. Um, so five and a half points averaging just thereabouts off um, in your starting lineup. That is otherwise unacceptable. But very bad. Danny Green, pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. But for <laughs> Danny Green, I think he kind of gets a pass. You know what I've noticed? Nurse doesn't like to give up on players, which you can be like, oh, man, like, just, like, let it go. Like, this this Danny Green experiment, or it's not even an experiment, but this Danny Green uh, lineup is not working. But he's just, like, eventually, his mindset is, like, you know, he's shooting poorly now, but eventually it's going to come around. Right. Right? And he's shooting really badly. Like, really badly. Very. But he, in his mind, right, it's eventually going to come around, even in that Philadelphia series. And even, I feel like we're talking about the Philadelphia series a lot, but in that Philadelphia series where he was playing uh, Serge Baca, Norman Powell, and like those Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet lineups, and people are like, why? Yeah. These lineups are getting murdered. They're too short. They're too this. They're too that, right? But in his mind, he's like, if we get beyond this series, right? And I wasn't playing these guys. What does that say about my confidence in the in my players, right? Where it's like they're not good. Like basically, you're just saying you're not good enough, or you're not capable of playing in this series. But maybe in the next series, you can you can maybe make a contribution. But I've already he's already planted the seed of doubt within those players by not playing them, right? So from what I've seen, he's like he's somebody that's willing to like even if like the the lineup is like minus one or minus three or even minus five or even a high minus to play that to play those specific lineups he's like eventually i'm going to need these guys to like this is my team right so right. i need these guys to perform well so even if they're performing poorly now there needs to be a point where they perform well and i'm and i need that to come up so like when they're playing badly i can't just cut it off at when they play badly because i can't just play five dudes right right so even though they're playing badly now, I still need to play them because eventually it's going to turn around and they start playing well. And I'm going to need that later on, later on in the series, later on in the next series. Right. So it's come to that point where that, that lineup, right. That was getting murdered in the Sixers series is now like a glowing example in game number, in game four. The irony of that though, is, you know, sticking with, you know, the the substitution aspect of Danny Green, not Danny Green, sorry, Norman Powell and the Bucks. Two years ago, Dwayne Casey got crucified for not putting Norman Powell in the starting lineup in favor of Damari Carroll, right? And this isn't that dissimilar right now. I totally understand. I mean, I feel like, I feel like um, there's, this sounds so dumb to say a lot, but there's more to coaching than we see right. on the outside. <laughs> right <laughs> but seriously like there is an element of like you have to have faith in your players to turn it around eventually even if it even if it looks really bad like obviously you need to make an executive decision and be like okay this is like this is not working and i don't think it will ever work 
right? But there's also got to, there has to be an element where it's like, I have faith in my dudes to eventually turn the corner here. I mean, you're even seeing it with uh, Coach Bud and uh, Eric Bledsoe, who's been awful, right? right? But he's still playing him like, you know, 20, 20 something. Like, he should be up. Legitimately, the way he's playing, he should just be out of the rotation, right? But there has to be an element of like, I got to let him play because even though he's playing poorly now, he has to come back around. Like, for like Fred Van Vliet, it's been awful. This is actually just garbage. It's in the in the Sixer series, it's just like, please stop playing him. Play Jeremy Lin, please. <laughs> right, and now it's gone to a point where it's like this guy is like he's he hit he hit a three in game three, and like, okay, I, I I can get behind this, and now he's like a big three too. It was a big three, but it's like or even Danny Green, right, in game three where they drew up a play for him to hit a three, right. Yep, and the. And this is like in the like near the end of the game. The guy was like been ice cold. I think it was like 0 for 5 or something like that. And he drew up a play and he's like, you're going to shoot this three. It's going to go in. And we're going to win this game. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. <laughs> right. So there needs to be a faith element in your team and your players. And I think Nurse has really exercised that. And it's been working. Right. I'm excited to see Norm play more games. I'm excited to see what Fred uh, can do. Seemingly, he's getting his confidence back. Congratulations to him having his, uh, his, I think it's a son. Yeah, Fred Jr. Um, yeah, so, hey, man, there's also, I feel like, you know, there's also an emotional element, too. It's like, you're having a great day. Just had my kid, you know, love of my life just had, or, <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, everything's all good. I'm going to go play basketball. You know, my it's my dream job getting paid millions of dollars. Like, you know, you feel good, you play good. It's, um... It is, first of all, you're right. Congratulations to Fred for his the birth of his son. But I do, you know, speaking from experience, there is, like, a lot of stress in that sort of environment, you know, when your wife or your your girl, whatever, is going to have a child. You're sort of just like, well, shit. Like, you need to make sure everything's, you know, in order. You need to make sure everything's, like, safe, X, Y, Z. You take all the classes, everything. I'm not sure that the extent of Fred Van Vliet, that's what he had to go through, but there is that same element of stress that, holy shit, I'm bringing in a tiny human being that is entirely dependent on me to live, literally. And that is not something that you can just, like, scoff off and just pay attention to basketball. So... With the birth of his son, I can understand that this probably some element of, you know, euphoria within him right now. Just like, I'm going to fucking destroy this team right now. I'm going to make sure that I'm dropping, what did he drop, 13 points. Like, whatever, it's not that great. But still, 13 points for Fred Van Vliet. Struggling Fred Van Vliet in the playoffs is great. Um, So hopefully this is allowing him to sort of knock that stress monkey off his back and to turn the corner and to be that reliable backup point guard for Kyle Lowry. So this bench unit, I don't want to call it a bench mob because it's really only three guys, um, can continue to capitalize on these situations, especially against a team like Milwaukee that, as we mentioned, is so deep, right? When you only have three guys matching up against another five, you need to be on your game. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So having said that, I don't know who you had winning this series. Let's start there. Did you have the Raptors winning this, or did you have the Bucks taking this one? To be honest, I had the Bucks. I think I think I had the Bucks winning in seven games. Okay. I still think uh, it's going to be a long series. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a long series now. So right. I mean, it's it's at least going six games. Um, having said that, 
I had so I, I obviously had the caveat. I said Raptors, my Raptors and seven is what my heart's saying. Mm-hmm. My head is saying Bucks and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now with everything clicking, it seems as though the momentum has shifted towards the Raptors' favor. But if Kawhi Leonard is battling something and he's going to not be nearly as effective as he has been on the offensive end, I think that is something that is seriously concerning for the Raptors. So having said that, um, game five heading back to Milwaukee, this crowd is very loud, as we mentioned. (laughs) I do think... Yeah, yeah, no Drake at all, period. Um, I do think that the, the Bucks will probably bounce back and take game five. What say ye? I do too, but at this point, I can actually see the Raptors winning the series. I think it's actually closer to like 50-50 than most people uh, realize. Uh, the next game, I mean, I can see... You know, it's like let me let me get the crystal ball out for a second. <laughs> I could see Giannis getting to the rim a couple of times, and then defense collapsing, and then like you know, shooters actually start hitting their shots. Eric Bledsoe maybe has a breakout game. You know, he's dropping you know I don't know three three of five from three. You know, a couple easy layups, maybe a dunk, <laughs> right? And then uh, the Bucks win, but. From watching the past two games, especially with Kawhi on Giannis, where, like, I, I don't... Here, let me look up the statistic real quick. But Kawhi on Giannis, Giannis is shooting something of, like... Where's the statistic? Hold on a second. It's like, who's your producer's name? Like, you need to have, like, a ghost producer and, like... <laughs> Jacob! I got, it, I got it right here. Jacob <laughs> just gave it to me. I got it right here. Okay. Um, Ever since Kawhi has been guarding him, and I want to say it's happened only since coming uh, to Toronto in Game Three, right. um, Giannis has been averaging eighteen and a half points. Um, no, but the, what's the shooting like? The the shooting percentage it's super low, forty two. Right, so it's forty two percent. Yep, from the field. Right, what's do you have the the number like? The average, uh, the entire average, or yeah. just the no like. How many, like, you know, how many makes versus misses? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, 14 for 33. Right, exactly. Right, so, like, Giannis hasn't been able to figure out the quiet, or even just, like, the defense overall, They he is, like, they've kind of, like, stumped, like, uh, stumped him in the past th- two games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, like, <clears throat> I don't know how the Bucks really generate offense when Giannis can't score right because if you can slow him down in Trent like okay let me back up for a second sure basically the Raptors objective defensively is to slow the game down right they actually want the game to be as slow as possible right because when the game is slow that means Giannis can't get out in transition and when he can't get in get out in transition that means like the, the Bucks have to like systematically generate offense or like pick or use pick and roll offense, right? And uh, Giannis can't shoot, right? Like he's shooting thirty some percent from three, but it's like people are like leaving. Like I don't even know how to describe. Like you, there's like six hundred feet between him and the next defender when he shoots a three point shot, yeah. and uh, so they'll leave him wide open. He doesn't really have like an in between game. When was the last time you saw Giannis shoot a floater? Right, I haven't. Yeah. Right. So there's like when he 
doesn't have like that in between game at all, then you're relying on Chris Middleton to generate a lot of your offense. And Chris Middleton isn't drawing defenders like Giannis does in transition. So it's kind of hard to get those like open three point shots. And from what I've seen with uh when the ball actually gets to those uh to those shooters on beyond the arc, they have especially in game four and especially at the beginning of game four, as soon as the ball touches their hands, their defender is like underneath them. They're not yeah. like they're not contesting a jump shot. They're like they want you to put the ball on the floor and make something happen, right? Because the Raptors don't believe like they don't believe Miritich or or uh, like they don't believe people like Miritich or even like Eric Bledsoe can like make something off the dribble versus their defense. So they've kind of like set up their defensive scheme is kind of basically like if we stop him in transition, stop Giannis in transition. And then we always jump out to the shooters. Don't jump out to contest, but jump out to make them like uncomfortable so they have to put it on the floor. Then they don't really have a way of like generating offense effectively. Right. So when you can slow the Bucks down into like these rock fights, right? They're good defensively, but you're slowing them down to these to a point where it's like a rock fight. You want them to you want the Raptors want to win. They want to the Raptors want to win 105, 90, 98, right? Where the Bucks want to win one twenty five to one fifteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So when you slow the game down and you don't allow them to get into transitions, like it becomes such a grind for the Bucks to like score in any way, right? Because they've they've absolutely neutralized Giannis in the half court. Eric Bledsoe lost like he got his power stolen by the Monstars in Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> and like Chris Middleton's like the only reliable person that can like generate offense in the half court. It's just like, dude, how did how do they score? <laughs> like, if they can't get in transition, how do they score? And then basically, Kawhi is a like I said it before. Kawhi is like he's a patient offensive player, right? He like he's not trying to like sprint past the screen. Like even his dribble like DHOs, like he's only getting them like at a trot, not at, at a full sprint. Right. So like the Raptors can play slowly right offensively and still generate offense where the bucks can't do that and if the and when the raptors are generating when the raptors are like stopping people on defense like they have athletes to get out in transition to score so like there's a lot of ways for like the raptors like when i'm watching the game i'm like this is replicable right like you can do this over and over and actually like win the series like this looks very winnable to me bro unless Bud puts Brogdon in the starting lineup in favor of Bledsoe or Meritich. Then it gets iffy because right now I want to say Pascal Siakam is primarily guarding Bledsoe and Danny Green is primarily guarding Meritich. Um, if Brogdon goes in for one of them and, you know, minus game four, Brogdon has been very good for them. In fact, I would call him the, him the Bucks' second best player on the team behind Giannis. If he's able to be that sort of offensive threat on the floor, especially in the starting lineup, then I think things get a little bit more iffy defensively for the Raptors, and it's not going to be nearly as easy to stop that. I understand that, but we've seen Bud doesn't want to go away from Eric Bledsoe. I mean, it would make. Yeah. I totally understand if he would go away. Like again, personally, I would have been like, "Yo, duty, you need to get yeah. <laughs> take, just take your ass to the bench," yeah. right? But um. And he also doesn't really want to play Malcolm Brogdon that many minutes. And he really likes Malcolm Brogdon off the bench right now. So maybe he has a change of heart tonight. He's like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to switch it up. 
and it would make total sense to me. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't do that, then I'm like, yo, the Raptors, like, the Raptors are probably gonna win the series, yeah. bro. If he yeah. doesn't make that, he doesn't make uh, if he doesn't make an offensive adjustment, like he needs to do something. Right. Well, hopefully he sticks to his stubbornness. But you know, I, I still think that the the Bucks end up taking this one um, at home. And I think the Raptors come back and win that in, at Game Six. Game Seven, baby. Yeah, dude. Game Seven is a complete toss-up because Game Seven. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, how great would that be? It would suck for either team because then they're just you know they're just gonna be gassed for the finals and Game One against Golden State. I know either team is gonna have home court advantage, but still being gassed against that team that can just trample on you is just it's going to be. It's going to suck for them, whichever team. But still, a seven-game Eastern Conference final series that's going to go the distance. What else do you want? <laughs> this is great. I, I, I'd much rather have this than seeing Golden State sweep a team in the Western Conference finals. Yeah. So that's just me. But, Poor Trailblazers. Dude, I wanted them to win so bad. I wanted Denver to, to play against the Warriors because I felt like it was a interesting. It was like a weird matchup. I like watching weird matchups. Yeah. Like, how do they guard? Who's guarding Jokic? Yeah. Draymond? Again. Yeah, I was going to say Draymond, probably. I mean, like, Jokic weighs, like, what, 150 pounds more than <laughs> more than Draymond? It's yeah. like an actual post-offensive like post offensive player, so. Would have been great. But we got, you <sighs> know, Dame, who had... Yeah, we would have had our Canadian, bro. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, that's true. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Except now he's doing TSN games. Right? I don't know if you saw that. So Yeah, he is. I know. All right. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, game five will probably... You, anybody listening to this is probably listening to this on Thursday. So game five will be tonight. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're a free agent in terms of the writing scheme, but I know you have a lot of other stuff going on and you're active on Twitter during Raptors games. So from anything and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter, go for it, man. At Demar J Grand on every social media, I'm basically a music critic now. <laughs> at uh, CJRU, I basically I do album reviews. Um, new Carly Rae Jepsen album came out. It's a pop album. It was awesome. I like it a lot. I'm reviewing it. The review is probably coming out in the next couple days. Um, yeah. If you are making music, you know, send me a DM or something like that. And we can talk be interesting i will have the link to everything damar has going on and i will have the link to his twitter so you can dm him if you have any musical aspirations or have anything written but otherwise uh in terms of the raptors dude enjoy game five and uh, i'm sure we will talk soon thanks for hopping on thank you so it's an honor Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.